Hi everyone, welcome to How to Live, a podcast that explores ways to live a good life. I am your host Sharad Lal. This is episode 29. The topic of money gets different reactions. Some love earning it, some love spending it, and some don't even want to talk about it. All of us come at money from different angles. What's your relationship with money? How was it formed? Research shows that our relationship with money not only drives financial decisions, but more importantly, it drives life decisions. What career to pursue, where to live, who to marry. In today's episode, we'll help you explore your relationship with money, what shaped it, what's working favorably, what's limiting you, and more. We, however, will not cover investments and personal finance in this episode. But before getting into this, we are very pleased to share that the How to Live podcast has now completed one year. Through this platform, we've been able to share ideas on mental health, relationships, career, and personal growth that have resonated with many of you. Thank you for your kind words on episodes that have impacted you, follow-up questions, and the changes this has inspired in your life. With your support in spreading the word, we hit number three in Singapore, top 5% globally, and are now listened to in over 75 countries. Please do consider following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this. Thank you in advance. Back to the episode. JJ still remembers the day he topped his class in school. He came back home very excited, picked up the phone, dialed his dad's office. Those days, phones were old school, so it took a while to connect. Finally, he got his dad on the other line. He proudly shared the good news. Dad was overjoyed, proud of his son. He promised to come home early, take him to the market and buy him his first pair of Nike runners. That had been Dad's promise. If JJ topped, he would get the the top-of-the-line shoes. JJ knew exactly what he wanted, the ones Agassiz wore. As soon as he entered the store, he picked out his size, tried them on and was done. He was thrilled wanted to wear his runners right away and show them off to his friends. But that was not quite what happened. His dad felt that the price could be a little cheaper in another store. So they went there. And then another. Five stores later, they came back to the third store where the runners were the cheapest. But they were still not done. His dad spent 30 minutes asking for a discount, negotiating hard. Finally, the shop owner had to comply. That was the day JJ got his first pair of Nikes. That was also the day JJ's first memory of money got created. JJ's father was a self-made man who'd worked hard to provide a good life for his family. They'd come a long way from their humble starting point. On the dinner table, conversations revolved around money. Stories about working hard, upward mobility, saving for the future. And there was always criticism towards anyone who suggested anything remotely luxurious. JJ looked up to his dad, his work ethic, success and humility. Ever since, not only has JJ been careful with money, but has focused all his attention towards maximizing money. This drive has led him to a successful career with dynamic companies, huge net worth and of course, an aversion to spontaneous shopping. He just cannot do it. He has to check prices in three to four stores before buying anything. Luckily, online shopping has saved him a lot of time. Like JJ, our relationship with money starts in childhood. These dining table conversations form the lens through which we view money, often for life. Financial psychologist Dr. Brad Klontz calls these money scripts. 
These are scripts shaped by family stories, parental behavior, and direct experience. Most of the time, this is unconscious. However, these scripts are so powerful that they influence not only the way we think about money, but how we think about life, our dreams, career, relationships. Through research, Klontz classified money scripts into four categories. Money avoidance, money worship, money status, and money vigilance. Let's talk money avoidance first. Money is the root of all evil best describes this category. Folks associate money with greed and corruption. They feel undeserving of money and even guilty when they desire it. Money worship on the other end is best described by money will solve all my problems. Folks look at money to provide security to them. But they don't just sit on money, they spend it on stuff because more stuff equals more happiness. The aim of money here is internal, to help create a better life. Money status, however, is externally focused. Folks in this category are very competitive and compare their self-worth to others. Self-worth is equal to net worth best describes this category. Wealthy people are happier, more money is equal to success and status, that's how they think. Lastly, we have the money vigilance folks. They're best described by it's important to save money. People in this category are very careful with money. They rarely take debt to buy anything and they feel bad when they have to spend money. So those are the four scripts. Money avoidance where money is not talked about. Money worship where money can buy many good things. Money status where money enhances self-worth. And money vigilance where money needs to be saved and not spent. Where do you stand? Is it one clear category or maybe two? If you don't know yet, don't worry. We'll go deeper into these four categories and then come back to you. Before that, let's talk about JJ's sister. Her most powerful memory of money growing up was when she was a teenager. She went to a friend's birthday party, all excited with a lovely gift, and soon noticed everyone sniggering at her. She heard the gossip behind her back. Look at that ugly dress. So grandmotherly. Who wears those shoes? You get the picture. This was a very traumatic event and shaped her view of money. She remembers countless evenings arguing with her dad that money should be spent for a better life. Her friends had less but dressed better, lived better and were happier. What's the point of this money if it just sits in the bank? These highly emotional events that leave a mark on us are referred to as financial flashpoints. Financial flashpoints can heavily influence our relationship with money. JJ and his sister lived in the same house but had radically different beliefs about money, even though they were fed the same script by their parents. Here are some more examples of financial flashpoints. Moving to a smaller house after a parent loses their job. One parent controlling the other through money. Becoming popular after being dropped to school in a Mercedes. On top of these individual factors, collective influences also shape our relationship with money. In developing countries, for example, where people may not have a safety net, making money, saving money becomes more important than in developed countries. Other collective influences can be schools, community or religion. Let's get back to you. Do you know what category you could be in now? If you don't, you can find out by visiting yourmentaladvisors.com and answering a few questions. I'll drop a link to that in the show notes. Whatever category we might be in, there are elements that help us thrive 
and there are also watchouts that create an unhealthy relationship with money. So let's explore each category with this objective. Money worship, where we think money can buy us happiness, on the extreme end can lead to rampant consumerism. Latest gadgets, bigger houses, compulsive buying. Money is used for addictive, never-ending dopamine hits with more and more stuff. However, when we're in control, we can use money to find joy in good things in life. We discussed how to get joy out of consumerism without cravings in episode 20. For more, you can listen to that episode. In this category, however, from a money perspective, at the core is the need to feel rich. Personal financial advisor and entrepreneur Ramit Sethi created a framework called Money Dials through which anyone can feel rich in a healthy and sustainable way. It's about asking yourself, what's the one thing you love splurging on? Maybe it's an expensive morning coffee or eating out, luxury travel or anything fitness related. What if you could spend unlimited amounts on this? So let's say if it's fitness, you could go to the top gym, have the best instructor, get the best gear. You don't need to think twice before buying anything fitness related. If fitness is your thing, won't unlimited guilt-free spending on it make you feel rich? That's the premise of Money Dials. There are 10 dials and we can choose one or two dials where we spend as much as we want. For the remaining dials, we reduce our spending. The overall budget does not change. So our annual budget for fitness, let's say, could go up four times, but we correspondingly decrease the budget for maybe rent, food and items in the remaining dials. I think the cool insight that Ramit uncovered is that by getting to spend as much as we want in something we love, We get to live a rich life. We get to feel rich. And of course, through this concept of dials, there's an element of control. For more on this, you can check out Ramit's site, IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. Feeling rich, however, did not appeal to best-selling author Morgan Housel, who wrote the book The Psychology of Money. As a valet during his teenage years, he would see rich folks drive up in fancy cars. He made an interesting observation. People don't think, what a cool guy driving that Ferrari. Instead, they think, how cool would I look if I was driving that Ferrari? This thought made him investigate the psychology of money deeper and he figured that there's a huge difference between being rich and being wealthy. While rich is the flashy money one sees, wealth is the cars not bought, the luxury vacations not taken the accumulation of assets not shown off. Wealth is often hidden and deep. If the aim of money worship is being rich, the aim of money status is being wealthy. It's this money status mindset that probably got Rajat Gupta to the top. Rajat was born in Calcutta, reasonably humble background, and unfortunately orphaned as a teenager. From that background, he worked his way up to become the global CEO of McKinsey in 2007. Back then, getting Indians to run global companies wasn't even a thing. He was a pioneer. Not only that, Rajat was running a company which arguably had the brightest minds in the business world. He was well-respected, later became part of prestigious boards like Goldman Sachs and was worth $100 million. Unfortunately, Rajat walked into the trap that most money status folks can easily get lured into. The trap of comparison. 
Even with $100 million, he compared himself to friends in the Silicon Valley who were billionaires and felt inadequate. This led to insider trading, jail time and dishonor. Now, most of us will not resort to illegal means, but comparisons still affect us. We may be happy to get a good bonus, but feel disappointed when someone gets more. During his research, Klontz found that money status category is very common among folks in lower income households. It's ironic how this mindset propels these folks to the top. And it's the same mindset that makes us feel inadequate, not enough, and less happy with what we were to start with. On the other end of the spectrum are the money avoidance folks. People who think money is bad and should be avoided. These folks don't size up people based on wealth or indulge in rampant consumerism. Many even acknowledge money as a part of life, though not the most important part, and understand its practical utility. However, on the extreme, internal scripts that say money is evil, money ruins relationships, can debilitate us. We could be deeply uncomfortable with anything business or money related. One might charge very low fees for one's service due to guilt or be embarrassed to request a client for payment, or be reluctant to ask for a pay rise. This could lead to resentment and frustration. A strong reaction to money in this way is a sign of the shadow. When one represses the need for money, one can self-sabotage by subconsciously making choices that deplete money, leaving us worse off. This creates emotions like guilt when we desire money, anxiety and worry. We discuss the shadow in more detail in episode 26 for those interested. Another category with similar downsides is money vigilance. In this mindset, saving for a rainy day and building a safety net seems prudent. However, being over-obsessed with saving causes needless anxiety. Folks can have sleepless nights upset about very small yet necessary expenses. We might avoid the simplest of conveniences even though we can afford it. Maybe we don't buy food on a flight because it's marginally expensive and as a result, the whole family goes hungry. Or if we do end up spending, let's say, on a good meal to celebrate an occasion, in an attempt to get the most out of our expense, we might keep pestering the staff, complain about the food and spoil the entire experience. Maybe many of us are okay doing away with comfort or convenience, but there's another important element that gets impacted. Time. We waste a huge amount of time trying to get the smallest of savings. It's like a millionaire who takes a longer driving route to avoid a $1 toll. Time gets wasted and we don't put a value on our time. Now if we flip it, instead of using time to save money, we use money to save time. We use money to buy freedom. How does that sound? This is not covered in any of the money categories, but it's a huge trend nowadays, so it's worth exploring. Many look at building some savings, then retiring or working part-time. This gives them control over time through which they can do what they want, spend time with their kids, quality leisure or travel. I think it's a great way to think about money, but yet again, there is a trade-off. Everything has a cost, freedom too. The cost of slowing down could mean 30 to 50% reduced cash flow every month. Maybe on an Excel sheet, it could work. But how does it sit emotionally? When lifestyle contracts, when one needs to decline holidays with friends, where one thinks twice before eating out. Bringing income or lifestyle down is tough mentally. 
but getting more control of our time is worth striving for. What's the balance? That's for each of us to figure. Let's now pause and check in. Do these categories, the good and limiting parts, resonate with you? This becomes even more relevant when we marry or live with someone else. Two people who look at money very differently when they come together and have to plan their life together, that can cause tremendous mayhem. No wonder study after study lists money as one of the top causes for divorce and breakup. In this episode, we won't get into money between couples. That's a topic by itself. But we will say this. The most destructive financial behaviors make perfect sense when one understands how our partner views money and how we view money. In summary, understanding our relationship with money can be a very complicated process, but it's a worthwhile one. Research has shown that taking time to do this, you can develop a deeper understanding of yourself, what money means to you, and mindfully work towards having a happy and healthy relationship with money. In terms of action steps, here are a few things you could consider. What's a powerful memory of money in your early years? Where were you? What were you doing? How's it affected you? Which of the four money script categories do you identify with? Reflect on what's working for you, what's holding you back, and how can you make this relationship more healthy? Best of luck. Let me know how you go. You can hit me up on howtolive.life slash contact. In the next episode, we look at reinventing ourselves. This is very relevant as people are in and out of the workforce, doing different projects and trying to connect the dots as they make big life changes. We have a very special guest who successfully reinvented herself many times and helped others to do the same. This episode drops on December 6th. Hope you join me. Till next time, bye-bye.